Hallelujah. Well, I hope and trust you had a great Christmas. If you didn't do anything but have a birthday crazy breakout for Jesus, then you had a happy Christmas. Amen. And uh, Phyllis didn't get me everything that she wanted, that I wanted, so my Christmas is continuing until she does. Hallelujah. Not really. Praise God. We are coming into a year of 2023. Who would have thought we would be alive? I used to think that when I got 30, I'd be dead. I used to say it all the time. I'd be dead by the age of 30. But I got saved. Yep, at the age of 30. Praise God. And uh, lo and behold, I'm not dead. Yet. Not that Phyllis hasn't thought of making me that way. It's just that I'm not that way. I am excited about 2023. I am tired of 2022. I am tired of the rhetoric. I'm tired of the disappointment. I'm tired of false beginnings, fake beginnings, false and empty promises that men have made that are never going to come to pass. I'm grateful for a faithful God. Because I know that God will do what God said he would do. Doesn't matter what comes, what goes, doesn't matter what happens or what doesn't happen, I know that God will bring me through. That's what I know, amen? And I know that he is on my side. So why would I worry? Why would I fret? Why would I be concerned? God is on my side. I want to have a new year. You know, people say, Happy New Year. That means that you are supposed to distance yourself from the old. Amen. Yep. That's what new means. Something different than old. So, we wish people have a happy new year. I don't know that we mean that to everybody, but we do say it to people. So, I want to have a brand new 2023 not just for myself I want to have a newness that Christ is really Lord of my life I say that sometimes maybe I say it to myself many times that Jesus is Lord of my life he's Lord of my eyes my mouth my ears my feet my hands He's Lord of everything in my life, except Phyllis. And uh, she's, she's, uh, yep. So, let's go to Matthew 1.18. I love Phyllis, and in just a few days, I will have been married to Phyllis for 52 years. Yep. Since I have been saved, I have never been unfaithful to my wife, Phyllis. I have loved her from the day I proposed to her. I loved her through the bad years, or I wouldn't have stayed. And I have loved her through the good years. I'm going to love her until the end. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Matthew 1, 18 through 22. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, did I say 118? Yes. Well, you know what? Let's go to, huh, 
I'm looking where Jesus called for the disciples. You know what? That might be Mark 1.18. You say, well, don't you know your Bible? Well, I got one. Yeah, I know mine. I put my name in it. Hallelujah. Mark 1.18. Sorry about it. When you're writing these things down at 4 o'clock in the morning and talking to preachers on the phone, sometimes things get blurred. All right. And it says, and straightway, well, look, look at 17. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed. And when he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, whom also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servant and went after him. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into a synagogue and he taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. I want to thank you for joining me today on live stream, but I do want to tell you it's never going to appease your conscience. I heard somebody say the other day, going to church or assembling yourselves was not a command. No, it was a description of those that were not being separated. Jesus said, come together, assemble yourselves together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. I don't know if that's a command or a very strong suggestion. But then he says this, as a manner of some is. In other words, he don't want you to be like some of you already are. You need to get in the house of God. Your conscience cannot be appeased. It needs to be awakened and made alive. All right, here I see something. I see that the Bible says that I want you to leave what you're doing. The Bible says in one of the passages that it says straightway, immediately, they left what they were doing and began to follow Jesus. For the simple fact that no life can be complete without the plan and the purpose of God. None. And so it says, they forsook their nets. Now, the plans and the purposes of God don't happen just because you wish them, just because, well, I see I'm supposed to be that. That is a journey of a lifetime. And so these men straightway followed Jesus. He said, I'm going to make you. In other words, he's going to reform them. He's going to transform them. He's going to mold them and shape them. He's going to take away old things, and he's going to establish new things. The Bible said, I'm going to make you become fishers of men. So God has a purpose for our life. And it's not just that we forsake for a time period. It means that we are to abandon ourselves to what Jesus is calling us into. Could again, amen. amen. Abandon means that we forsake everything. We bankrupt ourselves of it all because we are confident that what is before us is greater than what has been behind us. And so we get involved, we follow Jesus, and we are transformed. Now, as these men started walking, as we all know the stories, John, his brother, had a bad spirit. They wanted to burn Samaria. And then Peter, he was a little 
I don't think he was bipolar, but he was, I'm going to die with you and then forget that I don't know him. And kind of sound like us. I'm going to believe God. Then when you get the facts, you say, I'm going to the doctor. So we understand that there is a transformation that needs to take place. If we are ever going to become what Jesus wants us to be. Now, one of the great things that is in opposition to you becoming what God wants you to be, for you to tap into 2023, you are going to have to deal with certain things in your life. What is the meaning of insanity? Doing the same thing, but expecting a different outcome. You know how many insane people that are live streaming today? How many insane people that are going to hear this message and you're going to do the same thing you've done every Sunday? You aren't going to hear Now, you'll go home and you'll get on some website and listen to somebody that you like what they're saying, or, but you don't know them. You have no idea who they are, what they do, or anything else. And that's okay. I'm used to being the second fiddle in everybody's life. I understand that every word that's preached over the Internet is so profound spiritually that it causes you to shake. I understand that. I understand that I am the fill-in until you find the guru of your gospel. I understand all that. But today, I want to tell you that there are certain things that you do not change it doesn't matter what number of year that it is after 2000. We could pick a hundred of them and you will still be the same. How that breaks the Father's heart. How that stagnates Him being glorified in your life. How disappointing that will be to your children as they look at the life of faith. And some of you are going just to be the same no matter what I say, but I'm trying to get you to hear what I'm saying. This will change your life. The first thing that we, as Christians, are going to have to break are patterns of behavior patterns of behavior a pattern of behavior is something that controls our life it's something that controls our faith in God our response to God our letting God rule us our God directed actions because of our behavior, behavior, behaviors, because we don't change these patterns, we don't address them. We say, well, that's just who I am. Well, I've been doing that for years. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I used to take drugs. Believe it or not, I stopped it. You don't have to keep doing what's killing you. You don't have to keep doing what's making God just a part of your imaginary life. God is real. And if you will do what God has called you and told you and instructed you to do, then you will experience the life of God in your life. Every behavior has what is called a trigger. 
You've heard people say that. Well, what's the trigger word? It's the same thing as it was 40 years ago. Push their buttons. It means that you can throw into motion an individual into an emotional disarray without order, without end, with no direction. It means that you can set in motion behavior patterns that will disrupt your faith. And there are many behavior patterns that Christians do not deal with. They just don't deal with. Well, somebody said, I got a spirit of anger. Now, you just got a spirit of meanness. And the Bible says if we take the rod of correction, we could drive that anger from you. So maybe you just need a good trip to the woodshed because you got a behavior, be, behavior problem. Do you understand me? What I'm trying to tell you is these behavior glitches have to be dealt with. And they have triggers. Like you get mad. So all of a sudden, you go into a depression. Or you go into this, or you go into that. Or, well, I, I need to buy something. So you go further into debt when you can't even see the end now. Those are behavior problems. And they need to be addressed. And they need to be changed. Could I get an amen? So really, if you're going to be changed and have a new year, you're going to have to look in the mirror and see what is old that you need to get rid of. Amen. A trigger can be something that rubs you the wrong way. It can be something that causes an emotional reaction for no reason at all. It can be a word. You know, somebody, you know, some people get upset when they say, well, you know, so-and-so is going to get a divorce. I'm so tired of hearing people get divorced. Da, da, da. And you aren't working on your marriage one bit. What do they call people like that? Hypocrites. I'm not trying to be mean to you. Now, I know right now I'm going to be criticized for calling people hypocrites. I didn't come up with that. Jesus did. So please direct all your emails to www.heavenheaintchanging.com. Yeah, just send them to him. Words spoken about a subject can tick people off. People know how to push your buttons. It's your job to take away the response that the devil is trying to get from you. Because see, if he can get you mad, well, I, I, I just, I, I, that's it, I'm done with church. Why? Well, so-and-so said, well, so-and-so's put up with you saying for years. You know, sometimes we're very gracious towards ourselves, and we're without mercy towards others. And so we cannot be triggered by people. Could I get an amen? So let's take all of the things that are behavior problems and let's get rid of them. Let's kind of just talk a couple of minutes. Anger, is that a spirit? I guess it could be if you kept it up long enough and your family keeps enabling you to feed that atmosphere. And yes, I do believe anybody can be possessed by things that they allow to happen, become habitable, become addictive, 
and then become controlled by. And so I'm telling you that anger is a behavior problem that you are not empowered to give the devil access to. Don't be angry. Stop it. How about gossip? How about talking negative about people? How about talking, uh, not talking uh, any good report about people? How about spreading a rumor? How about starting a lie? How about making a lie? These are things that we as Christians enable others to do. I went out with a preacher one time, and he said, uh, we'd like to have some wine. When he said that, I stood up. And he said, whoops, I guess Romans 14 comes into play here. I said, well, something does because I'm not going to sit at this table and drink. So, he never drank in front of me. I've uh, had reports come back to me from people in my family that were preaching at other churches, and they would say, oh, man, no, no, we don't order wine today. Pastor Dosak's with us. Somebody from his church is with us. Now, I'm glad that that reputation is on us. And I totally agree with the Bible that you should drink a little wine for your stomach's sake if you want. But if it's not expedient to you, don't do it. Let me tell you a story, true one. A friend of mine was a pastor for many years. And... His son got hired at a uh, very large church, about 10,000 people. And then he started going there, and the pastor liked him. He started preaching for him. Wonderful opportunity, great, except that the church there agreed on drinking wine. Now, my friend had been an alcoholic before he got saved. This for all you, or 80% of the Floridians that think I'm an old fuddy-duddy and behind the times and flunked the test of abstaining. And I don't apologize for that, for saying that either. What is it? When sin is allowed, people will do it. Now, this man went there, and pretty soon he indulged. When we got done working with him, he had been through over seven rehabs. Seven rehabs on the verge of divorce. Children wouldn't bring their kids over to his house because he got drunk every day. Couldn't help himself, as the saying is. And so for a year, year and a half, two years, we worked with him. And thank God today he is free and no longer indulges in alcohol. You say, oh, well, that won't happen to me, said the wino that now lives on the corner. There are things that we are allowed to do, but there are things that we are warned not to do. It's expedient that we can do lots of things, but if it's not necessary, I will not do it, nor will I be brought under the bondage of it. So, that's my little spiel today about that. I hate that. 
Then I want to talk to you about familiarity. Familiarity. It means to come to know something or someone. It simply means that, to become beyond just acquaintances, but to become a little more intimate until information is exchanged so that people are comfortable with us. People can become familiar with that. Let's go to Mark, the 8th chapter, and verse 27. Now, I'm just laying out a couple things. We're going to get on the spiritual part here in just a couple of moments, but I want you to understand I'm trying to get you to stop behaviors that are opening the door to the devil. Mark the 8th chapter, verse 27, it says, Jesus went out his, and, and the disciples unto the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Who do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, and some say Elias, Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days raise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him to the side and began to rebuke him. And when he had turned about, he looked on his disciples and he rebuked Peter saying, Get thee behind me, you ignorant man. Didn't say that, did he? Get behind me, Satan. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him and his disciples also, he said unto them, Whomsoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whomsoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake the, and the gospels the same shall save it. And what shall it profit of man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? No, that's enough. Why do you think that Peter could rebuke the one that he just recognized as being the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. What happened? Peter perceived that he had a place of intimacy that no one else had. That presumption really was connected to the spirit of familiarity. Peter counted himself equal with Jesus. In other words, he put his opinion against the inspired Word of God coming from the lips of the Son of God. Now, don't you think that's crazy? For all of those of you that didn't say, yep, you should have. Peter allows the honor of Christ 
and the respect that he has just as a prophet and as a rabbi to be moved out of the way and Peter to become the voice of divine direction. Now that sounds crazy, like who would ever do that? People that are familiar. Peter became Jesus' equal. He now places his opinion above the opinion of Jesus. Jesus' words are now just opinions, not the voice of God. The words spoken have lost their place of eternalness, of perfection, the word of life, the word of faith, the word of grace, the hope of all worlds, and the words that revealed the steps ordered of God. Peter replaces all of that by challenging them and voicing his own opinion. Familiarity breeds disobedience and overthrows God's rulership in our life. Now let's talk about, well, what's familiarity got to do with me? Lots of people are scholars. Being a scholar, knowing a few Jewish words, knowing that every word has to do with an alphabet, knowing that, you know, the dates might not be perfect, so, you know, even the birth of Christ may be questionable. All of the words that we ascribe to Jesus and these talents, these uh, uh, titles, all these things, they make us shallow theologians. Any depth of theology is based on Christ as being the Savior of the world. He's not just the Christ. His name is Jesus. All-encompassing Old Testament and New Testament. Familiarity is that people get so familiar with scriptures, so familiar with the truth, so familiar by hearing too much without applying it, that their opinion becomes as powerful as the word that they're not doing but just hearing. Are there any people in here just familiar? The Bible says that if you don't keep my sayings, why would you ever utter the statement that I am the Lord of your life? Second Timothy 3, 5 says, look, they have a form of godliness. They're doing all the right stuff, but the major problem is that they don't allow God to rule their life. In other words, we discover truths, but we do not implement them, nor do we live based on God's faithfulness to them. I think the church overall has become a great depth of the wells of knowledge And I say this not with any disrespect, but only to awaken you. It is time to stop hearing, and it's time to start integrating the Word of God and becoming a doer 
and not just a hearer. If we do not do that, 2023 will be no different than 2022. I know that this, this may seem hard to you, but it's not hard. I mean, the very basis of if you don't do what I've said, please don't take upon yourself the right to call me Lord. So, are we so familiar with God that when God tells us to do something, we come up or conjure or connive some different way to get it done to say we did it by faith. I've done lots of things in my life as a Christian that were just out of sheer fear. Oh my God, I can't believe that, Pastor. Believe it, and then turn the mirror and see yourself. We have got to come to the place in 2023, if you want to be different, to live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. How many of you are ready to say, you know, God, I really want to be a Christian? I mean, if we are ready for that, then God wants to do that. And we can, in one very real way change the world. We can change the world. I believe that. If Paul did it with donkey and sandals, then we can do it with cars and aeroplanes. Amen? All righty. So, now let's go to James 1.19. Remember, we're talking about having a new year. That means you've got to leave the old behind. Didn't say it's a mixture of years. It's a new year. And we are going to embrace the new year by, number one, getting rid of patterns of bad behavior. If it's not like Jesus, stop. And then we're going to stop being familiar with the Word and thinking our wisdom is greater than God's wisdom because it's not. Then the third thing we're going to do is this right here, James 1.19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Anybody know what that word wrath means? It means emotional activity that produces a response toward somebody. In other words, when people hear things, say things, they get stirred up. And what happens is they become aggressively active against someone in a way that God does not condone. And I'll show that to you in the next verse. For the wrath, the activity, the emotional outburst of men worketh not the righteousness of God. That word worketh simply means does not develop the fruit that expresses God's activity in your life. So when you are stirred by emotion to get angry, to yell, to throw a fit, 
to show some way, somebody the way to heaven while they're driving down the road, you know, or calling people names through a closed window. That's just as dumb as wearing a mask in a car with nobody in it. And nobody hearing you yelling at anybody. They're going, what, me? <laughs> well, of course, you're just going down the road like a man that has lost his mind, yelling through glass, people traveling 70 miles an hour as if they are going to stop and listen to you. When you do that, the reaction of God on the behalf of the righteous stops. Because you have taken the moment into your own hands. Now, next verse. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, all superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. In other words, there has to be a transformation. Put away all filthiness, wickedness, naughtiness, thinking, an abundance of evil, things that are constantly on your mind striving to get you someplace that you're never going to make it. Stop. Let's lay that aside. Your only hope in life is to receive the engrafted word of God that will save you. Next verse. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers. Is that a command like you don't have to go to church? Don't have to go to church. Oh, gosh. Don't forsake thumbing up. Don't pee with the lid down. Is that a command? What is that? That's a command. But here it says, be you doers and not hearers of the word only. Don't be doers. Don't be hearers but be doers. Is that a command? Well, I'm going to ask you again. I'm going to ask you to mutter it. <laughs> Is be you doers and not hearers only a command? Memorable moments. Could we get one of them maybe up there on the screens from now on when I say, oh, a moment, then you'll put up there a memorable moment. Now, this is a memorable moment to you. God commands you to be doers of the word and not hearers. He's not trying to penalize you. He's trying to promote you bless you, prosper you, increase you, enlarge your tents and your borders. That's what God's trying to do. But he can't do it when all we do is hear Amen. and we don't do. Amen. So, then it says deceiving your own selves. In other words, you think God's going to move for you. He ain't. He ain't. All right. And if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, and straightway forgiveth what manner of man he was. Now think of this. If you hear today and we don't do, you are never going to embrace your identity in Christ because you can't see it. 
He'll go away and he'll forget it. So let's not just be hearers. Let's be doers. Amen? Man, I hate to get in. Let's go to 2 Timothy 2.20. 2 Timothy 2.20. Did anybody get any gift cards for Christmas? Anybody got a red lobster one I could have? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut it short if I can have it. If I can't, forget you guys. You're here, buddy. All right. Okay. All right. 2 Timothy 2.20. For in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to to honor and some to dishonor. If a man, therefore, will purge himself, somebody say, it's up to me. Of these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, met for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee ye also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call upon the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive at his will. Do you know that many of us are bound by bondages that we could be free of? In a moment. In a moment, we could be released out, released out of the devil's program, David. Amen. Now, we could do that if we will repent of things that we know are displeasing to God. Amen. And if we will get rid of those things, then guess what? Authority will be restored. Power will be restored. Too many of us are bound by things that we don't have to be bound by. Amen? I mean, I, I, I just heard said to me the other day, well, you know, I, you know I, I hate him. You hate him? Yeah. I just have no use for him. I said, well, that's like you being in the kingdom and having one leg and you're a donkey. You aren't much use neither. Because people that hate people don't have eternal life. But see, they don't think that that's wrong. See, we have a God that is being created by social media, by awake a woke generation by really a church that is afraid not to be accepted. We're afraid to be different. I had a lady tell me the other day, step over there and stand on that. She just caught me bad. I'm not telling you I was a Christian. I didn't tell her I was. I said, I'm, I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> I did not. I just said, ma'am, look, I'm 72 years old. I've been told what to do by women all my life. And today is a new day. I am not standing in that circle. I'm just done. Now, when I got home... And Phyllis took control again. Pick those shoes up. Get those socks over there. Clean that corner of that up. Okay, honey. 
She was not the woman in the store. I'm not afraid of women that I'm not married to. It's that married thing that gets me. Now, folks, I'm, I'm telling you, do you want to have a different new year? I do. I want to have a different new year. And then the Bible says that we are not to be conformed, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What does that mean? That we are to break habits that are tainted with faithlessness. We need to start allowing God to replace our old ways with new ways in the ways that we think. Our way of thinking in America, in the body of Christ, well, we need a new car. Believe God with us that the bank is going to approve us. I'm not saying that's wrong. If you've got to get to the hospital and you need a car, I'd encourage you borrow money and get the car if you can get it that fast before your wife checks out or whatever. But instead of being a seed sower, we are bank goers. We never consider that God could meet the need, do we? No. That's the last thought, that God might really do it. Right? So we go to the bank. I'm not telling you that it's wrong. I'm just telling you, you want to start being a doer of the word, start doing what God told you to do to break poverty. How many of you in the last year have had a car given to you? Anybody? Come on, raise, raise your hand up so I can see them. So I can be encouraged. One. Anybody else? Somebody's pointing over here. Two. Anybody else? Three. Okay. People give cars to people all the time. I know one couple that's not here that I know they got a van gave to them. So God can do that. Did anybody have like far-fetched? Did anybody have a house given to them? Not that you poisoned your mother-in-law and, and you was in the will, but any houses? How many of you had a wife given to you? That was a good thing. How many of you guys got married last year? Is your husband happy? Okay, well. How many of you thought you got a blessing by a dog coming to your house? You got blessed? You probably got blessed to the one that got dropped off at our house and we put in there and drove by your house. <laughs> I'm just telling you that when we believe God, God will do it. And the Bible tells us, not only our mind, David, our activities need to stop being emotionally driven. We need to stop it. And we need to look at the Word and say, this is what I'm going to do. And then Ephesians, the fourth chapter, says that we are to guard our mouth. Ephesians 4, let's go to 29. Ephesians 4, 29 and we're getting ready to close up here. Let not corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, 
but that which is good to the use of edifying, 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 that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost, where, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Next verse. Okay, forget. All right. There you go. And be ye followers or imitators of God as dear children. You know, God would never speak angrily at me. He would never speak bitterly at me. He would never speak down to me. He would always be encouraging me. So why do we start when our children are young to condition them for such abuse. Let's not do that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, year 2023 is this. Get rid of bad behavior. Get rid of it. Number two, don't allow your familiarity with scriptures to dominate your use of faith in God's word. Number three, don't get yourself stirred up or allow you to set in motion actions that come from your soul. Just still. And then we don't want to speak in ways that would grieve the Holy Ghost. Amen? We just don't want to do it. So let's start being doers. Doers. Somebody say doers. doers. Remember, we all said that we could be doers of the Word and not hearers. I know that it might sound rough, but really I'm just trying to get you stop the stuff that is stealing your stuff. Amen. 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 You know, I hear all the time, well, you know, Pastor, we don't know if they're ever going to get saved. Thank God you aren't my mama. I need help. I don't need a consenting word spoken down on me. I hear people say, well, you weren't unplanned. Well, you weren't planned. You just slipped out. Okay, uh, do you like me, Mommy? I'm not sure. What do you mean I just slipped out? We didn't want you. We didn't need you. We were happy without you. You don't say that to children. Amen? You don't say I wouldn't have married you if you'd been the last man on earth after I got to know you. I told Phyllis, quit saying that. But do you think I'm fibbing? You've been to my house. I have been to your house. Don't get involved, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say, bro? <laughs> if I was you, I'd say nothing. Your tires would be flat next time you come down. And uh, I'm going to have a different 2023. I am going to have a different 2023. Hallelujah. 
with every head bowed. I remember 42 years ago, I was 30 years old. I was watching a Christian program. And I got up off the couch. I'm not even sure Phyllis was home. And I went into the bedroom. And I knelt in front of a closet door. And I said, God, I don't understand anything that I need to do. I, I just don't know. I said, but God, they tell me I need to be saved. So, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins. And, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. And I said, God, from the moment that I get up, I'm going to tell everybody I'm a Christian. So you might as well treat me like one. And I stood up. I've been saved for 42 years. My life was changed that day. Not through an argument, but just by simple faith. If you're here today, the greatest way to start a brand new year is that you would accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You already know that nothing that you tried has ever worked. I don't know how you sought peace. I don't know how you sought freedom from torment and struggles in your life, but I'm telling you this that Jesus Christ is here. And He's here to save, and He's here to heal, He's here to deliver, He's here to help, He's here to strengthen, He's here to renew, to rebuild, to forgive. He's here. I'm going to ask you, you want a new 2023. It can only come by the Creator that makes all things new. So if you're here today, I'm going to ask you to join all the people that are going to pray this prayer today. I'm going to ask you to say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son. I believe that He was born of a virgin, lived a sinful, powerful life, was crucified for my sins, and on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. I declare you as Lord of my life. I thank you that I am forgiven. I thank you that I am saved. I thank you that I'm a Christian. Now, if you're on live stream, I want you to quickly contact us. Let us know that you received Jesus Christ. And for those of you that prayed this for the very first time, or you renewed your faith, your relationship with Christ, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand wherever you are. Somebody help me see them. Come on, wherever you are. You prayed that for the very first time. Check back there. Anyone, here's one. Please stand your feet.
please, if you raise your hand, stand your feet and come up here and let me pray with you. Come. Anyone else? Anyone else? Hi, young man. How are you doing? You look as good as I feel. What's your name? Andrew? All right. Praise God. Andrew? I'm going to pray for you this week. All through this week. I'm going to ask everybody in this place that whenever Andrew's face or his name comes to you, that you begin to pray for Andrew. That he will feel the safety and love of a family of faith. God, and I pray right now that you would direct Andrew. That, God, you would guide his steps. That, Father, you would help the staff Phyllis and I to be the best pastors that we can be and that God, Andrew, will flourish and grow in the things of God. God, this is a monumental day. It's a monumental moment. And God, I thank you for Andrew's faith and courage in Jesus Christ today. Bless and prosper him. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. John, would you? This is John Kessler. This is Andrew. Okay, get his last name. All right. <laughs> and John wants to give you a little booklet on how to be a Christian. Come on, somebody, give Andrew a round of applause, giving his life to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's everybody stand to our feet. I want you to just navigate your way into a group of four or five people, hopefully with people that you haven't been in a group with before. I want you to begin to pray one for another. One for another. Hallelujah. Let God use you in the gifts of the Spirit, word of knowledge, Utter words of encouragement, admonition and comfort. Speak life into their life and into their situation. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 